Well, again, it's great to be here on Sabbath. Uh, I'm glad it's warmed up some. I've actually been able to go out and work in a t-shirt, <laughs> which is great for me. I know uh, Daryl asked me to do the sermon today because it's scheduled for next week, but um, it would work better for all of us to have Daryl's sermons keep going in, in order. So, But it also gives me an opportunity to go back on, remember the last time I spoke, I started a, a, I was going to talk about a world without Satan, but I had to go into, somewhat into the world of Satan. You know, I discussed some of the problems in society today and government and other things in society. And it's really interesting what what we have to live in. But today I want to take that even another step farther because, you know, we're approaching the end of an age. We know that God is inspired sermons inspired each and every one of us to keep thinking of what we have to do. It's our responsibility. And so we live in a world that is controlled by Satan. The government, education, I just heard on the news this past week, I believe it was, and maybe it's been going on for a while, that even in the state of California, they want to so much control education that they want to ban homeschooling because they have no control on your children if you're homeschooled. We know that not only with education and the things they're teaching in education. Um, someone sent me a, an email here this past week on was called The Watchmaker. And it was kind of a proof on evolution because it starts out with this beautiful scenery in a river going over a waterfalls and little specks inside this river. And then it brings a lightning bolt out and it strikes the river. And all of a sudden, pieces of metal start coming together. Well, it goes on. It, metal begins to form springs and some gears, uh, crystal glass, um, a case to go around it, and all of a sudden all these parts start filtering together and makes a beautiful watch. And then they say, well, that's crazy, isn't it? So the next part they go through, beautiful river, water coming down, lightning strikes, and now you have the gases and all these elements, and now you have an amoeba. An amoeba goes to two amoebas and to a fish and then to a frog and to a gator and to a gorilla and then back into the water again. And they say, how does that happen? Because they show for us to have a watch, it takes a watchmaker. And to have a human being, it takes a creator. So we live in a world that is, education has turned everything upside down. And my question, one of the questions I've got, I've got a few of them maybe today, but one question is, how important is it that we are committed to God's way? Why don't you ask yourself that? How important is it for me to be so committed to God's way of life? Matthew 24 Verse 4, Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Understand that Matthew, Christ was telling, relating through Matthew, that we have to be careful, very set, knowing God's way, because human beings can can see, can deceive other human beings. It is very easy to do that. It is very possible. We think maybe not. Go back to Genesis and think what happened there. In Genesis we know God created 
says he created everything. He created a human being. He must have spent some time with Adam and Eve because it tells you there in Genesis that in the cool of the day, as his custom was, he walked in the, in the garden. So Adam and Eve knew that God walked in the garden, didn't he? It was something he did on a daily basis with them. But before that happened, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which God had made. Now here's a serpent. Adam and Eve were humans. The serpent approaches Eve. We'll take it on a, let's take it and expand it out. He didn't just come up there and say, eat the apple. Spent some time. Look at the tree. Man, doesn't that tree look great? You know, God said you can have anything out here. Look at that tree. Look how beautiful that tree is and the fruit on that tree. Man, it's so luscious. He, he posed something. Satan set this in front of Eve. He set her up. Now, she'd been talking to God. Adam had been talking to God. How is it that Eve would eat of the apple because the serpent said, eat the apple, you know? Maybe God's hiding something from you. He caused doubt in her mind, didn't he? He caused her to doubt her Creator. And Eve ate the apple. And Adam knew better, didn't he? He took and ate it too. Of course, being the man, he let his wife eat it first. She didn't die, so hey, must be okay. Maybe God did hide something from us. Isn't it easy then, two beings whose relationship with their Creator was a one-to-one, talk to Him. We're able to see Him, converse with Him, let Him teach them. And yet Eve and Adam listened to the wrong information. What about this world today? Is this world today listening to God? We live in a nation we know to be a, the, the nation of Israel. Remember what Jacob said, Israel said to Joseph? He said, let my name, Israel, be put on you and your children, on these two children. So Ephraim and Manasseh was Israel. Because God inspired that to be that way. But what about us today? Can we be deceived? Our nation is deceived. <laughs> really easy deceived. I watched a movie and it was interesting. The thought behind it was good. A lot of the stuff is bad. I mean, it's not, not accurate. But it gives you some thought about what the world's going to be like in the next few years. A world that's going to be turned totally upside down. Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6. In this movie, they talked about a rapture. Well, we know there's not going to be a rapture. Scriptures are very plain. There will not be a rapture where the children would be taken to heaven and anyone that went to church on a daily basis would go to heaven. We know that that's not the case because we know what Revelation tells us that only 144,000 will be turned to God beings when Christ returns. But here, all these people were just whipped away and they were the rest of the world left behind. Revelation chapter 6 verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened the first seal and I heard as it were a noise thundering one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse and he that sat upon him had a bow and a crown and was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So here's talking about a time when there's going to be 
a being, a human being, who's going to go out here and he's going to look great. He's going to look like he's got the answers. He's going to solve the problems in this world. He's going to be able to tell them that, you know, these are the problems happening. And, and if you just follow my way, and I'm going to help you to have peace and happiness and all these things are going to be given to you. Remember Matthew 24, verse 4 said, Take heed, you be not deceived. Verse 5 said, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Can you imagine? A person's going to stand up there and he's going to be telling everybody how great it's going to be. This beautiful future. I know the answers. And some of his right-hand people, they believe him. And then they show how great he is and try to show his background and show uh, the things that he's done in his life. And before you know it, you got 20 people, then 50 people, 100 people. So how would you reach out and deceive the world today? News media? We have television, don't we? We have the radio, we have newspapers, and we have movies. We can reach out and build a character up of a person so that they look like this is the answer. And here's a person who's going to say, I am Christ, because he will believe that. Has it happened before? Second World War. Adolf Schickelgruber became Adolf Hitler. Had the people believing he was the answer. And we see the results. Millions of people died because there was a person there who was trying to bring in the millennium based on the German uh, way of life. So here's a person going to claim in the future, and we've gone through this, and Daryl gave a sermon on that and showed how they will claim the name of Jesus. Can you imagine a person who has shown all the answers that can bring peace what are they going to do? He's going to say, well, first of all, if we're going to have peace, you know, we can do this. We can, we can have peace in the world, but first thing we've got to do is we've got to give up our guns, all of our weapons, and that's the way we're going to start getting peace. Of course, the ultimate goal is not peace like we think in this country. Look at... Iran right now, Iraq rather right now. Do they have peace? We brought in peace, didn't we? Thousands of people die on a daily basis. So here's a being that's going to come up there and say there is a way to have one world government. And this is what they're going to do. He's going to convince the people. And it will go from convincing the people to have peace, to have one world religion, to the point where you'll say, I am Christ. Is that hard? Halel did it. And who governs this being? Halel went up and convinced one-third of all the angels that he could show a better way of life. Is it possible then to deceive human beings. He's going to tell them that, first of all, we need to have a world headquarters. And people will believe this, especially if we get on the news media, and I see it happening today, which is really strange, because you see it happening. We build up a person they, uh, on the current campaign. They're starting to say to... Uh, Mrs. Clinton, you ought, to, you ought to resign. You ought to give it up. Because you have no chance to win. If we do this enough, if we have enough media coverage and we build it up, 
people are going to believe it. My wife pointed out this morning, she said, you know, you hear all about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, but you hear nothing much about the Republican candidate. Do, do we have another person running? No. Because well, the most important thing is we've got to get this other way going. So you hear very little because news media will build in your mind just like Eve. If you tell a lie long enough and forceful enough and convincing enough, people will believe it. They'll believe that this is the only way to go. So is it possible to have a headquarters, a one world government? If we talk about it enough, if we show what it would be like, and is that possible? Again, my wife pointed out this morning, how many of us have watched Star Trek or Star Wars? The, the, the things that we can do on television can just blow your mind. I remember going to uh, Bush Gardens once, and went, they got a, a thing there called Questor. Now, you sit in a seat, the seat goes up and down and vibrates a little bit, but that's it. But the way the movie goes, you actually feel like you are there. I can also remember going to, uh, I think it was quite a few years and years ago when my next to the youngest daughter was a baby, we went into the circle theater and I was holding her and I almost fell over. Now the floor didn't move, but visually I thought it was, I was on an airplane tilting back and forth. So it is possible with enough deception to cause you to forget who is God. It is possible even for us in the church who are true Christians, you know, Romans 2, 28 and 29 says who a true Christian is, that we could be sucked into this whole deceptive thing. It happened, didn't it, to us in the church? How was it that about two-thirds of the church just fell away? Roughly one-third of the church stayed with God, but scattered everywhere. We have no leader today. Of course, the Bible tells us that. Our counselor's dead. Our, you know, is that how it goes? Counselor's dead and our leader's gone anyway. We have no leader, no single leader. The church is scattered everywhere, but what happened? What happened to those people? And I sat with people who said, this is the only way. I remember talking to an elder who said, what they're doing is not right. Went to Atlanta, came back from Atlanta, and he was for everything that was going in the church, in worldwide, the deception that was brought forth. So is it possible, then, that you can be deceived? You have to ask yourself that question. To the church of Laodicea, God says to them, you know, you're just lukewarm. I cast you out of my mouth because you were, you're not focused on what you should be focusing on. The church got off track. Mr. Armstrong tried to get the church back on track. But we believed a lie, and it was brought forth, it was shown. I think it started back with the two images, remember? The image of the beautiful young woman, turn it over, and it's an old woman, you know. So, I forgot uh, the guy's name, um, my wife told me this morning. <laughs> anyway, it's a deception. And we were being deceived, so the church is being deceived. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> Paul, speaking to the Corinthian church, in verse 3 said, But I fear, lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, 
so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Emmanuel. Paul recognized that it was possible in his day and time to be sucked down the wrong tube, to go the wrong direction. And Paul warned the Corinthian church, and he's warning you and me today. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and blasphemy. That's inside our hearts. So Paul understood that. Christ said it. That within us, ourselves, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Christ knew it. Prophesied it ahead of time. Paul warned the church. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Again, Paul warning the Hebrews. Warning you and me in the church today. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief. That's important. To recognize that we cannot believe the truth. Last week we were very much amongst where God is working, where your heart has to be. Do you believe it? It says, your heart be unbelief in departing from the living God. We have witnessed that. We have lived through that. It's no longer a prophecy. It's something that has happened in the church and it will happen in the world to come. When things begin to happen, there will be doubt that there is a God. It will be broadcast. I remember back as a... I guess I was still going through electronic school. And they were talking about Fidel Castro and how he would take the children and say, or the teachers would take the children and say, pray to God that He'll give you a piece of candy. And they got nothing. They closed their eyes and prayed to Fidel Castro and he gave them some candy. You think you can't be deceived? Deceive the whole nation. It's all a matter of deception. So we have magicians out there. They do a lot of deception. The sleight of hands in the church out of the church in this nation today. James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust by his own lusts and enticed. So we're tempted when we allow ourselves to let lust and greed enter into our life. We're coming on a time that's going to be so horrible, it's hard to conceive of what it's going to be like. We have had it so easy in this country. Anything we want, at any time, look at what's happening. If you think it doesn't, in the housing industry, they had a report yesterday on the news of how they all happened. Because they had so many people they wanted to put into houses that were not qualified for houses. They couldn't afford to buy houses. So they made a subprime lending rate where they could put anybody in a house. They kicked the price up, kicked the interest up, Oh, they hid it at first. They put the interest down. You missed one payment. They had one lady on there who missed one payment. And what happened? It went from $1,200 a month to $2,300 a month. It went from 7% interest to 15% interest. And what happens? How can you do that? So now they got tens of thousands of homes repoed. And people lost millions of dollars, billions of dollars, 
because they were sucked into a trap. They were deceived to thinking they could buy a house and hey, you need to have a house. It's good for you. You need to own that. And people bought that. They bought that down the line. So we are drawn away of our own lusts and enticements. Then when lust has conceived and brought forth, brought forth sin, and sin when it's finished brings forth death. So we can be deceived. We can be deceived on the society and what happens. If you sin, for us, sin is death, isn't it? Back again at 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, now verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. This is going to occur very shortly in this world. If it's it's happening right now. Not only in the church, and we see it happening in the church, but it's happening in the world around us. People claiming, men claiming to be the disciples of Christ. Claiming to be um, apostles. And they're deceiving the people. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So why do we think that it's not possible that there will be people out there who will look so great? They have the answer that if we would just listen, if we would just follow their direction, we'll have unity and peace. Therefore, or it is no great thing for the ministers also to be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So those people who are liars and thieves and wrong attitude people who are deceiving nations, nations, the world, are going to die. In Ephesians, we're told, and Terry read this a while ago, we're not to give place to the devil. Well, if the devil looks like a light and like a right minister, can we be deceived to thinking and giving our life down that line? We could do that. We have to be very careful. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, tells us to be sober. To be sober. You know, if you get drunk, you know, you drink too much wine, too much alcohol, you're drunk, you really don't have a lot of control on your life. It's easy to be pulled off the wrong direction. This happens so many times. You go on the the news and see what happens. People go out there uh, who are intoxicated, driving down the highway, have major accidents, killing someone. This happened when I was a young man back in Houston. They would be intoxicated and kill somebody over a beer or over a comment. So he tells us to be sober. You know, face what's up there today. Be vigilant. That means you're putting a lot of effort out. You're you're not being a lay of the sea, are you? You're you're out there really looking and really responding to God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking who he may devour. You think Satan doesn't know who you are? I can remember being in, I think it was St. Pete one time, and I've done this too, talk about we're a candle. You can turn all the lights out at night or there in St. Pete inside that building with no lights and take a, a lighter or a candle and light a candle. Can you find that candle? I don't care where you were in that building, you would see that candle, wouldn't you? 
Satan knows who you are. You're a candle if you're responding to God. So Satan knows who you are. He's walking around, going to throw a lot of things at you. As we go into this time of tribulation, like Israel went through some of the plagues, I'm quite sure we're going to have to go through some of these too. We know He's promised us that He would take about 10% of those that are so fixed doing His will to a place of safety. But will we go through some of this before then? God has to know whether you are committed 100% to Him. God has to know, are you committed if it takes your life? Because if you're not, Satan can turn you. And you can say, yeah, it looks like a bright, gleaming future, because they talk about it. What's going to happen in 2040, in 2050, or 2030, or 2020? They talk about all these things that are going to occur. And if we're not checking and staying close to Christ, in prayer, in Bible study, in attitude, in relationship, we can be sucked down that way too and say, yeah, maybe, maybe there is no God because they pose those questions too. If there is a God, well, can He make a rock bigger than something He could pick up? You know, those are questions they throw out. In the 60s and 70s, they talked about there is no absolutes. But I can tell you there is an absolute. God is absolute. His Word is true. It's absolute. He makes a promise. That's the way we live today. Do you believe God? Can you be deceived? Will you be deceived? Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Emmanuel, and by our gathering together unto Him. So here, Paul is telling us, Christ is coming. The bridegroom is coming for His bride. And our gathering together, when we can come together at a place to meet with Him, and on the Sabbath day, that you be not soon shaken in mind. Don't allow your minds to be swayed by the things that you see because there's a lot of deception out there. You think these virtual games can't deceive you? They can. It's like practically falling over, holding my baby. It never happened, but it did. You see, you can, the things can deceive you. Be not, uh, be, uh, see, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us, as the day of the, Lord, the day of Christ is at hand. So, there'll be things that'll be said, Things that will be written that will look so great, so, so phenomenal. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God showing himself to be God. There is coming a time when this being will set up there and show himself to be like God and claim that on himself. And unless you know the truth and stay with the truth, you can be deceived too. Let's turn to Revelation 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. So, 
You look at drawings that people show, they show this beast with a leopard's head, feet of a bear, a mouth of a lion. But what is a leopard? Let's take a reality look at this. What is a leopard? I looked under Wikipedia, the uh, online reference. It says a leopard is the smallest of the big cats. The leopard succeeds, uh, success owes to part in his opportunistic hunting behavior and ability to virtually inhabit. So here's a being that is going to take every opportunity, every possible opportunity to control the world. You know, they got an, I got an email in of a picture of a bear's claw. It's about that big. I'm showing my, you know, across my chest. A bear that stood uh, 12 feet tall and it could reach over 14 feet high. But a bear has a very powerful claw. So here is a creature we're seeing coming out of the sea who is very stealth. He's very deceptive. Who can reach out there and take control but has the power to back it up. So it's got a bear's, it's got the head of a lion, I mean of a, of a leopard, the uh, feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. A lion's mouth devours everything it can get. So there's coming a creature, a man, so not a creature. John was relating what he saw. But he's telling us of a being that's going to be so deceptive, who's going to reach and take every opportunity to take control of the world, who has the power to back it up, and that will devour anybody that tries to put him down. And he goes on to tell us that this man will be empowered by Satan. It's hard to think that human beings will put their life in control of a, of a person like this, but that's going to happen. That is going to occur. That he will be there claiming to be God. He will have that. He will work himself into that position. Is it easy then? for you, for me, to be deceived? Can we say, well, hey, I've been in church, I sit here, I know everything, I do everything, I am basically a good Christian. Question. Have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to somebody else? I don't care whether it's a pencil or if it was... Something didn't think with much. Did you ever do that? Have you ever taken something, maybe in school, an answer from somebody else that wasn't yours? So you're a good Christian. But if you have, and I suspect all of us have, then are we not thieves? I mean, we have to face it. Are we not a thief? Have we ever said something that really wasn't true. We, well, it was kind of a white lie. It was a little exaggeration here, you know. Yeah, I just exaggerate a little bit. Do you ever do that? If you did, then you're a liar, aren't you? So now you're a thief and a liar. And how about thinking, I'm so good looking, I'm sure that I can attract any of these other women that comes along. Or... You might be a woman saying, I am so beautiful, I can have anybody I want. What does that make you? Now you're a thief, a liar, 
an adulterer? Have you ever put something in front of God? Oh, well, no, I, don't, I, I never do that, do I? Would it be my house? I'm willing to maybe give up prayer and Bible study for my house or maybe make a change in something else or maybe, maybe it's my job or my car or my boat or maybe I've got a doctrine, a pet doctrine of my own, see. I forget that Christ said He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many times have we thought, well, really, I, I, I don't think that, that this doctrine is the right thing. If we do, then we become an idolater, don't we? So we can not only become a thief, a liar, we blaspheme somebody or we put somebody down like Terry brought out in the sermonette? Are we not murderers if we cut somebody down and destroy their personality, destroy their character? We become murderers. So basically, are we really true good Christians? Christ-like people? Well, Paul was able to inspire the Romans because he knew what human beings were, he himself being one. He said, you know, in Romans 6.23, he said, you know, the wages of sin is death. 3.23 said, every human being has sinned. Not a human being alive has not sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 6.23 says the wages for that sin is death. But we can be thankful for one thing, that God is merciful. Remember back in Gordon's series of sermonettes on how merciful our God is. Go back and review that. Our God is so merciful that He will forgive our sins. And not only that, but He was willing to give up eternity you know, the one that talked to Adam and Eve? He gave up that who created a human being as a speck on a planet that's a speck around the solar system, which is only a speck in the universe, and knows who you are by name. He knows your thoughts. Is merciful enough to forgive your sins. Isn't that great? There is coming a deception. So, there is a deception coming in the very near future. But what else comes along with the deception? Revelation 6, chapter, verse 4. Revelation 6, 4. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that there should, they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. What's next? In this very near future, war is coming to this planet. War is coming to this nation. 300 million people on this, this nation. And think of, just give it a little bit of a thought of what happens. The world hates this nation. And they're going to hate the church even more when the two witnesses come online and they're up there telling them what the problem is and how they're being deceived and what they've got to make changes. And if they don't change, they're going to die. But before that, they're going to hate this nation, aren't they? And war is going to come. Have you ever saw, I think it's the, the movie was Red October, where the Russians invaded this country and right in the center and they shot and killed men, women, boys and girls. And the first scene they opened with was this group of men landing from parachutes and shooting up the school, killing children. You think there won't be chaos in the very near future? You know, we sit here and we have it made, don't we? 
But death and destruction is coming to this country. Isn't it hard to sit and think that you have maybe family members and friends and people you've worked with over the years who are going to die? And when the war starts, it's not going to be any different than it has been before. When power goes out, bombs fall in and knock the power line, power plants down. Next thing is food shortage, isn't it? We already talked about that. A world with food shortage. What happens when, as I read a report, I think it was last night, of um, truckers thinking about going on strike because of high diesel costs. You know what happens when truckers in this country go on strike? Walmart has about two days of food. And then what happens? We witnessed it when a hurricane came into Florida and people were fighting over bottled water which they could have got out of their tap but in Walmart were fighting over bottles of water because they knew the power would wind up going out. What will happen when the bombs start falling and people start dying and food becomes short? I don't want to be deceived that these things are not going to happen. They are coming. It's going to happen. And they will kill babies and they're going to take prophesied out. It's prophesied that a third of the people will go into captivity, won't they? And who will they take? Somebody with one leg? Somebody with cancer? Somebody that has arms that don't work or a back that hurts or you're old or you're too young or you're too fat or you're too skinny or you're too complaining? They're going to do away with those people. They will shoot them right there. It's going to happen. And all because of world peace. They will deceive us to thinking we can put our guns down and then they're going to come in with a war and kill us. Along with war, what happens? Disease happens. And it could be not just because of death, but man-made diseases. And they're going to try to do away with anyone who truly believes there is a God. Who truly follows and keeps the Sabbath and the holy days. They had it in the Inquisition. I remember seeing the one movie of the man, the Irishman that uh, they killed because, they, because he was opposed to the Catholic Church. It's going to happen again. Are you that close to God that you won't be pulled down and taken in the war? Matthew 24, verse 7. Matthew 24, 7 and 8. For nations shall rise against nations. There's going to be a tremendous war. And kingdoms against kingdoms. And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in different places. With war comes famine. With war and famine comes disease. And Christ spoke and said, all these things are only the beginning of sorrows. It's only the very beginning of what's going to occur. Where do you stand? Revelation 6, Again, verse 5. And when he had opened up the third seal, he heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat upon him had a pair of balance in his hands. And I heard a voice from the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. We're talking of world famine. It's awful difficult to see loved ones starving to death. But that's coming. 
We live in a world that's saying, no, that's not going to happen. We live in a world where they're saying we're going to bring peace and harmony and the one person is going to stand up there and say, I know all the answers. I can bring peace. I can show you the way to peace. Well, first of all, you've got to get rid of your guns. And that's when the war comes. Because if they can get rid of the weapons in this country, the next step is going to be an invasion. Ezekiel 5 verse 12 said, A third part of you shall die with pestilence. Can we have grasped what's going to occur in the next few years? One third of the people dying from pestilence. And with famine shall they consume you in the midst of you, and a third part shall fall by the sword round about you. And I will scatter a third into the winds and will draw a sword after them. God's telling us ahead of time what it's going to be like. Are we ready to hear what God has to say? Do we want to believe what He has to say? Again in Matthew 24, verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for My name's sake. Talking about the church. Because we will be backing that's if we're not sucked up to the belief that there is going to be peace. All we have to do is just listen and, and turn our life and, and then follow the, the leadership that's out there. Uh, we're going to be alright. We can go to church on Sunday. We can do all these other things, but you can't go to church on the Sabbath. Now, that's got to be done away with, and you can't keep Passover, and you can't keep uh, Pentecost, and you can't keep trumpets and atonement. and you know those, those are That's forbidden. Because you've got to realize there, we are gods. That's what they're saying. We have the answers, and we will supply you with everything. Verse 13. But he that shall endure to the end will be saved. 24 verse 13, we're told that if we stick with Christ, with Emmanuel, that means being committed, we have an opportunity to be saved. We have an opportunity for eternal life. Verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. This time coming in this world is going to be so horrendous. And it's all because humanity is being deceived by Satan to think that they have, all they have to do is eat of the tree of life. I mean, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can solve all your problems. But it's going to be so bad, Christ said, that unless He intervenes, there wouldn't be human life. Just wouldn't be there. It's no wonder we're told in Revelation 18.4 to come out of this world. When we take a look at society... And it's hard to take a good hard look at what goes on. We have taken our rotten way of life and spread it to the whole world. Chinese right now are saying they don't want dollar bills anymore for anything other than what's sold here to this country. So we live in a rotten world that's trying to destroy this country. We live in a world that's filled with pornography. You can't get away from it if you go on the internet. It's almost on the news programs. It's pretty close to it. It's on a lot of the shows. 
that they have on here. And Christ tells us, tells you and tells me to come out of this world. But then on the other hand, we see this world and we're thinking, maybe it's not that bad. Do you ever give it that thought? Hey, it's not really that bad. Until you think of what is going to occur to your friends, to the nation. 90% of the church is going to have to go in through this warfare. In this movie, they showed that people had to turn their life around and to repent. We have an opportunity to do that today, don't we? We come to the Passover and recognize that our Savior, the Creator of the universe, walked this planet, and what did He do? He didn't take the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, did He? He set us an example. His example was, Father, I don't know what to do today. Tell me what to do. Father, show me the way I should live. And he says, all through John and the rest of the Bible, really, he himself said, I of myself can do nothing. How many times we said, I can do that? Well, yeah, there are certain things. I'm not going to deny the fact that there are certain things that we can't do. A lot of things I can do. A lot of times I make a lot of mistakes. But Christ speaking of the right way of living, He said, I of myself can do nothing. What the Father shows me, I do. So, we come to Sabbath services. We ask God to guide and direct us and teach us and open our minds and show us the right way of life. And then we go home and do our own thing. That's to me, sounds more like Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 on. You know, I'm pretty good. I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. You know, that's basically what Revelation says. I have it all. I mean, I, I've got the Bible. I, what else do I need? I don't need somebody to tell me the right way of life. I don't need God to lead me. But yet we do, don't we? Satan is very deceptive. He can look and see your faults. Now, he might not try you or throw something at you that he would at me. Because you're stronger than I am. You wouldn't be pulled aside to want to buy a brand new car. You'd be okay if I drive an old one. Or you wouldn't bother, you know, it might not bother you to say, well, I'm going to have steak every night this week. But it might not bother me for God to uh, allow Satan to tempt you with another thing. See? But I can look out there and say, I've got a pretty good life right now today. I mean, I live in this community. I've got friends that believe what I believe. I've got people I could call on for help and they'd be right there to help me. I don't need anything else, do I? Or do I? Am I a Laodicean? I hear a lot of places out there, people saying, we are the only church of God and do not understand that God broke the church apart where He spewed out the church because we all sat there and said, we've got it made. As long as we sit here, we're going to go to a place of safety. I don't have to make changes. I don't have to go out there and fight my human nature on a daily basis. But I do, and I'm sure you do too. We need to take a real good, hard look at what's going to occur in the very, very near future. We want to see a beautiful way of life 
a life of peace and harmony, a life of uh, everybody have their own vine and fig tree. Everybody can walk around. You don't have to worry about lions attacking your children or any of those things. But before that occurs, other things are going to happen. We have to realize that death and destruction of a planet that has, what, four billion people, more than three billion people are going to die. It's hard to think about that. It's hard for me at times to think about my family, which has expanded considerably, and my friends that I've known for years, but I know the deception can happen. It, I can be deceived. I can make the wrong choice. As it did in worldwide, it can happen to us here today. So it has to be a personal thing with us. It's going to happen to this nation. They're being deceived even by the day. And they're going to die. I don't want it to happen to us. We have to be 100% committed behind Emmanuel. 100%. It can't be 90%. It can't be 80%. It can't be 99%. It has to be 100%. You have to be willing to follow everything that Christ said. We have to be like those that you read about in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 40. God having provided some better thing for us. I hear Paul speaking to the church there. The church today. God says through Paul, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. We want to be made perfect when we're made spirit beings. The rest of the church, those in Hebrews 11, are waiting for our commitment. Chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing, also, seeing we also are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight Everything that's going to pull you down. Revelation 18.4, you know, come out of this world. Let us lay aside every possible thing that will weight you down and the sin which does so easily beset us. Will it be anger? or temptation of whatever status. We've got to put that aside. That sin that will pull us down. And let us run, as Paul said, with patience. And it takes a lot of patience sometimes. It takes patience with each one of us, with each other. You know, sometimes that's hard for me to do, to have patience with other people. But he tells us we've got to run that race with patience. The race that is set before us. We have a, an opportunity set in front of us. You've got to have patience, you know, and love and happiness or joy. We have a race against time. Some of us are either at or beyond the allotted time. We have a race to follow Christ, to do what He did. Matthew 24.4 again said, Let no man deceive you. The race is to follow Christ. Not to be deceived, not to be pulled down, 
but to face it soberly and out with your whole heart. How will you know the true Christ? How will you know Emmanuel? Think on that. You cannot know him if you don't know him. The world does not know Christ. The world will know a Christ and they will call him Jesus. And everybody will follow him because he will be standing out and offering peace and happiness and joy. But in the background, he's the one that's going to be empowered, remember, by the devil. He will have every opportunity. He will have the power to do it. And he will be empowered by the devil. How are you going to know the true Christ? Think on that. Think on that this, for the rest of your life on a daily basis. Do I know Christ? Or will I be deceived?